Napster went out very quickly, like for me. Like LimeWire was big. Yeah, I mean, that I was, was all on. I think we LimeWire, talked about that before. Yeah. LimeWire was, was all my on big LimeWire. Um, I feel like there was another one. We can admit one. that now, right? I, I, can't, I, I think we're past that. <laughs> I think everybody used LimeWire. I never said I used it. I just yeah. said, like, I remember LimeWire, right? Um, there was another one, like, Win something. I just remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I'm talking about? I remember the symbol. Yeah. yeah but I can't. I've, it was very basic, like, yeah. very late, like, early 2000s, like, yeah. black screen. It showed the loading of, like, stuff you got, I'm told. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Pirate Bay just made all that shit easier. <laughs> <laughs> not that I, I don't use that anymore i, I, I well, swore also, off it like also like a decade ago but also like again with the rise of like this is the whole issue is with streaming and things it's like oh you with, don't really need to with music like yeah. you don't really need to to pirate music yeah at all is the thing because you just i mean yeah you still yeah you're like oh, i'm pay i don't want to pay anything but like well, I mean, I probably should torrent uh, all of Nick or uh, Neil Young's catalog since he took the shit off Spotify. Now on Spotify, <laughs> um, yeah, well, we got some records in there. We got, yeah, uh, we you got, got decades. Decades? No, no, no. I just I only have a I know I have Neil Young Tuscaloosa. I oh, wonder. I wonder why. Um, it was when he was he was re-releasing a bunch of albums that um he was remastering or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think I can say like Tom, Thomas hates Neil Young. I know, like musically. I'm not. I don't know as a person, and maybe he's okay. With, I don't know if he's okay with me admit, admit that, but I'm pretty sure he's okay. I think he said on the show before he's not a. He well, he, he made a joke. I remember him making a joke in one episode. I don't. I, yeah, remember. it might have been an almost famous episode. He probably talked about it. He was yeah. just like, "Oh yeah, we got a Neil Young song." Um, <laughs> yeah, he he he, always, he was just like, I remember at one point for a while because I always like kind of give him shit for hating on Neil Young, and at one point he was just like, "Wait." You're from Alabama. You should hate Neil Young more than anybody because, and Sweet Home he made two comments about Alabama, the state, and the people in the state, and that's why in Sweet Home Alabama they have like uh, the the line is like Neil Young. Uh, uh, they basically diss Neil Young in the song of Sweet Home mm-hmm. Alabama because of of uh, his song Alabama, and I think Southern uh, Southern Man is what it was, mm-hmm. and which is probably top five Neil Young songs. Yeah, exactly. It's a great song. But every time I was just like, you should hate him more than anybody. He like goes against your state. <laughs> like, come on. And that's why I find the Tuscaloosa thing so so interesting um, with Neil Young, that album, because he went to Tuscaloosa and performed there after that album came out and to kind of like realize like, oh, I kind of screwed up by like dissing on the whole state or whatever, but not actually like going there and seeing who the people were, mm. who, who the people were like there. Um, and so Tuscaloosa is like a live album of him at Coleman Coliseum um, uh, performing. It's funny. It's bringing up, I brought this up on our Patreon episode that Thomas and I did uh, about Little Shop of Horrors and talking about Steve Martin is that like, it's interesting, my town, and my mom will hear this now, my town, when before I was even born, like, it was actually a pretty, like a hotbed for like people coming to like perform there. So like, I think Zeppelin performed there. No, fuck I man. think maybe Hendrix performed there, but Steve Martin performed there. And my, and my mom, uh, went to see him perform is what it was. And, uh, he, Oh yeah. I've heard the story of him. Yeah. Excited so, for, yeah. 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 I'm excited for the, uh, yeah. We, the listeners. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause now it's, it's a, it's a hint of what we talked about on Patreon is that, yeah. Like the, he, Allegedly, from what I can tell, like, like I think it was more like just they flirted. My my aunt and Steve Martin flirted at a department store because he was coming like to get something, and and I think apparently what he he asked her 
he asked her something. He's like, oh, what are you doing tonight? And she said, I'm going to see you. And that's when like, he laughed because it's like, oh, he's been caught. She knows who he is. Um, and my mom went to see him. And my or my, like, my aunt and her boyfriend at the time took my mom to see it. I initially, my, that's funny, I saw some of the Patreon that my, my grandparents took my mom. My mom's like, they never took me to that. <laughs> they weren't that cool. They weren't that cool. They would ne- they would have never done that. Did, you, did your mom see this the Zeppelin show, dude? No, I don't oh, think so. Jesus Christ! She's, she's look so, at this set list, man. Um, I, and my apologies. I can't remember who all you, who all you saw. I know. <laughs> I feel like she saw Sticks. Uh, she's gonna hate me because I because I, I can't. <laughs> I, I don't want to. You're gonna have to edit. I don't want to misspeak and say she yeah. saw someone she didn't. Yeah. I think she might have saw Kiss once. She might say she didn't now, but I'm pretty sure she's told me that once in her life that she saw Kiss. And I thought she saw Sticks. I know she saw Almond Brothers. That's a big story that she saw Almond Brothers and her parents were upset with her because she came home late is what it was. She was like, I wasn't missing the show. It's the Almond Brothers. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be the one kid that goes home early. Yeah. Like, there's no cell phone, so you can't call and say, hey, I'm going to be late. So my mom just stayed. I'm not staying. I'm going to stay for the end of the show. And apparently my, grand, the apparently my grandpa was very upset with her uh, exactly. when when she when he came when she came home late from the Almond Brothers concert. Um, Maybe you had a perfect segue there, and then I just back, bounced back to you bounced back. On, wait, wait a minute, did she, did she see Led Zeppelin? No, Sorry. I, you had the other perfect segue was Steve Martin to, to yeah to that because no, yeah. I was looking at my head I'm like I how think, the hell are we gonna. How are we gonna segue from 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 <laughs> Neil Young to, to Neil Young? To, oh, I got there. Schedules. I got there, and then we and then we just and you went right off of it. Um, you can't just throw around like, oh, Led Zeppelin played. Wait, in let, my I, I'm pretty sure. I think like, Hendrix played. Oh, no, no, well, no, he, they did. It was 1970. Yeah, so basically, that set list was insane. Yeah, so like basically, it's like back then, like when we talked, like, like the college I went to, University of Alabama, was way more open back then in the 70s to like artists coming in and using their facilities. Now they're not open to that at all. Um, so it, it, and also concert tickets were a little uh, different back then. A little different. You pay like ten bucks or whatever at that, and and go to see. I remember my buddy's dad telling me about how he, he would come out here to the Sunset Strip and like, yeah. and they, he would just walk down and you know get in the show, and it's like Van Halen or something. It's like what the. F- yeah, now <laughs> it's like okay, let me let me let me drop four hundred dollars to get nosebleeds to see to see this. Actually, it's four hundred dollars more cheap to see the Stones at SoFi. Yeah, that's probably more like five hundred, six hundred or what. Yeah. I feel like McCartney was like insane when he came. That show was out of pocket. Bro. Yeah, did you go to that? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I would love to. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, dude, that shit was out of pocket, bro. Yeah. But you know who I love to see if he comes and does tour? Steve Martin. Uh, <laughs> him and Martin Short. Because they, they did a tour for a while of them together, like doing mm-hmm. like their kind of comedy variety stuff. Their bits. Um, so yeah. And with that, <laughs> I got back. I got back there. Guess back out. Got back to hey. I te- can try to derail as much te- as I- teaser. Steve Martin's we talked about this episode. <laughs> Um, but I am Brandon Sparks. I'm Dave Glenn the Fourth. And this is the Nation Podcast. And Thomas has will be back next week from his sabbatical um, uh, to start off to kind of help start this month off. But David's going to be here in the first episode of the month. We are talking about con artist movies, and you're like, "What's a con artist movie?" Well, we're going to find out this month. And David and I have had kind of conversations of like, "What is a con artist movie?" I know Thomas will also have views on it as well, and. This is probably one of the tougher ones for you to pick this month, I feel like, because I've seen con artist movies as movies about characters who their primary job is right uh to, is a con artist they make yeah. their money and their their livelihood but, but, off of con cons. but not necessarily like just somebody pulling a con not or, just or somebody pulling be- a con yes becoming a con artist by 
by pulling a con, but you're yeah. saying like somebody that that's their career. That's career, their career. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of we're looking at. Yeah. But you also had ideas yeah. of movies that, and you know what, we could cover them this month because we're still yeah. figuring out a few episodes. Well, but I just, I, yeah. I mean, I was looking at like what's the, you know, what's the the, the thesis? I guess what, mm-hmm. what's like the concept, you know, of the, of the month. So yeah, um, yeah. And that now. and with this, like when I think of con artist movies, I think it's, I think tone plays a very interesting part in this genre. It's like, it's kind of within the heist genre. How there's a heist movie, and there's like a caper. That like a caper can be a mm-hmm. heist, but not every heist can be a caper. And con artist movies, a lot of them, for the most part, there, some are some are dark and twisted. But a lot that I, I think come to mind for a lot of people first today's movie is a prime example. Is they're almost a little like lighthearted in a way. It's like if well, they're fun, you know. they're fun. Like heist it's, movies can be pretty, pretty heist bleak. can be bleak, <laughs> but like a, a con movie can be kind of. But then you have something like House of Games by David Mamet that's also kind of a bleak movie. Um, but I think tone is a really big key with yeah. this genre. Well, I, mean, I think the word caper, caper, is, yeah, like that, that gives you that kind of you know vibe. Like that's what vibe. you picture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with cons, it can be that way too. But I think there's some directors yeah. who, have, like Mamet being an example, who have played with the con movie in a more darker tone. Sure. I think an example that um, we we might discuss more in depth this month in some way, if not, it's out there, um, is Ocean's Eleven, where people, like, I always have this, like, big debate, specifically with Ocean's Twelve, because I'll say it right now, I've done podcasts before, I love Ocean's Twelve, I'm sorry if you don't, we're going to move on here. Um, <laughs> Ocean's Eleven is a heist movie that, that is, they pull off heist through cons, and Ocean's Twelve is a con movie uh, that people thought was a heist film. And I think cons, why Ocean's Eleven is a con movie is because they're doing these little bitty things, these type of like, oh, uh, he's doing Ella Fitzgerald or whatever, like the kind of t- names they have, that feels more like a con movie. And a lot of times it's about con coming from the idea of confidence is that you have to basically use confidence as a way to get something you want mm-hmm. is the thing. And that happens a lot with in these movies. And Ocean's Eleven, an example that does that is that it's, they're using their confidence uh, as characters to get into places and steal things. And with so that that comes to play, I think, con, con artist movies. I think of also, I said, perspective is that a lot of times certain con movies is that who are you following? Are you following the person who is doing the conning or following the person that is being conned? Oh, interesting. And I think a lot of that's what kind of separates a heist film for a con, con movie is that I think a lot of con movies are from the perspective of someone being conned is the thing. And that will kind of come into play sure. today is the sure. thing um, as we discuss more of it. So spoilers alert, spoilers ahead for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels today. Well, so this is, it's kind of a hard movie to talk about. We were talking about this last night. It's like yeah. kind of a hard movie to talk about yeah, and you, not spoil. Yeah, because you'd, you'd written, watched part of it yet, and yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to say anything I don't, more. I don't usually do that. I know, I know you don't. I know yeah, you don't. Yeah, but I think I think it's. Uh, I think the, I think I stopped at the perfect point to stop. You did. You did. <laughs> but also, I think like we'll talk about. I'm sure. Like structurally, this movie is like so sound. It's so sound. It's wild. I because I forgot how. It's literally every ten minutes. It's like every another fifteen twist. minutes. Yeah. It's like end of sequence. Yeah. End of this sequence. Here's new yeah. sequence. Here's your. Here's the big question for this sequence. And the idea, and we'll discuss more. It's like sure, with, yeah. with a sequence structure. Right. For those who don't know, a sequence stru- structure. A lot of the times is that movies are made up into 10 to 15 minute sequences. And so there's kind of an overarching question or idea within each sequence. And if done correctly, it's leading you to the end of the movie. It's building to a certain point. This is actually a perfect example of like a sequence structure, essentially, where like 
every 10 to 15 minutes, a new obstacle comes in. If it's like, okay, now it's, it's Michael Caine trying to get rid of Steve Martin. Well, he doesn't get rid of Steve Martin. And now the whole thing is like, Hey, I want you to teach me how to be like a con man like you. Okay, great. Heat on him. Heat on him. Okay, great. So he teaches him how to be a con man. He's like, okay, great. Now we're going to do it together. And they do it together. And then you hit the midpoint. It's like, Hey, I'm going to show that I'm better than you as a con artist type thing. And it's like, and it's just, and then the bet, the, they have a friendly wager and that bet changes. And it's just going, it's turning on itself. And I think also too, with this movie and with also this genre is the idea of twists and reveals that kind of come into play. Again, the idea of con of, of, of the audience themselves being conned in the process right. as the main character. Um, that's at play here. But yeah, so with dirty rotten scoundrels, it is, it was directed by Frank Oz, and we just talked recently about him on our Little Shop of Horrors episode on our Patreon, Thomas and I did. And this is kind of funny because this is coming out right after Little Shop is oh, the okay. thing. And that will actually come into play a little bit with Frank Oz, Frank Oz's mentality coming into this movie. Um, but Frank Oz directed this, came out, released in 1988. It stars Michael Caine as Lawrence, who is this sophisticated, suave con man who lives on the French Riviera and then there's Freddie Benson there's Lawrence Jameson and Freddie Benson who's played by Steve Martin Freddie who is this kind of more kind of streetwise is what I would say con man but he's like he's starting to get a little bit of appetite for bigger things is what it is and he meets up with Lawrence on a train ride to Beaumont sur Mer on the French Riviera and they meet on a train and Lawrence sees Steve Martin, uh, Freddie, and sees that he's this like kind of fool of a con man, and then the whole thing with I feel like he, he looks down on him. Yeah. He looks down on him, but I think the thing about Freddie this entire movie is that he's always kind of surprising uh, Lawrence throughout the movie, right. and vice versa. I think they're both always like by the by the by that after that halfway point is where you feel like Freddie has like finally like I can kind of beat him as a thing. Yeah. And then somehow Lawrence is always like turning it back on him. So they're actually like, going blow for blow on like the turns and everything. They're always like surprised. Like how the hell did you get out of this? Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm actually in the Navy. Like things like that. You're like, Oh my and God. And also like, like to your point earlier, it's like it, the audience keeps the audience on their toes. It's like, Oh, it does. Wait, it now does. yeah, now we're here. And because, and because it's always moving forward, it, it's, it's, it's a well paced film in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I had seen this before once before. It's always kind of one that had came up of like con movies, but also kind of like those underrated Steve Martin movies that aren't always talked about, but are well beloved. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I feel like most people talk about like the jerk or the jerk. Um, I would put like, I would even put like Roxanne in there to some extent. I still haven't seen more. that. Okay. I would put Bowfinger. Um, I do love Bowfinger. Father of the Bride, a big one. Um, which I finally saw this year. Finally, yeah. And, and Steve Martin is great. Oh, he's amazing. Steve Martin's amazing. He's, he has a lot of great films that are worth checking out. I, I mean, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles being one that's always talked about. Um, but I think he's great in Bowfinger. I think he's great in a, a more dramatic role, Pennies from Heaven, that he's in, um, where it's like he followed it up with The Jerk and it did so poorly because people were expecting him to be like, The Jerk 2. And it's like, Depression-era musical. And you're <laughs> like, What? Um, I thought you were going to say uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, huh? No, I, I, I did watch that a lot growing up. <laughs> I had it on DVD. Yeah, I, it was I think I might have had the second one on DVD, too. I, mean, I, I, I think I had both as well. <laughs> uh, and he's also doing great now with Only Murders in the Building. But yeah. I've heard that's really good. I mean, um, so essentially, kind of, so Freddie and Lawrence go blow for blow on these cons, but they end up meeting a woman by the name of Janet Colgate, who is the soap queen of the U.S. is what it is. <laughs> 
Um, and the whole kind of bet that kind of happens kind of uh, 45 minutes in the movie is that they're trying to see who can, who can pull off the best con, who can con the, the mark first or whatever. Out of $50,000. Out of $50,000. And so they pick this woman who is apparently the, as I said, the soap queen of the U S and so they're going to con her at $50,000 and whoever does it first wins the bet and loser leaves town is kind of the idea. If you're in wrestling and you, you lose a match, loser leaves town match. And this is kind of what it is for them. Uh, and of course it's on the backdrop of the French Riviera, which is beautiful. And yeah, so it was written by, I'll say the screenplay credits for this movie are Dale Lawner, Stanley Shapiro and Paul Henning. We'll get into the credits of that movie later a little bit. Um, Cause there is some interesting stuff with that. Uh, it was produced by Bernard Williams, uh, cinematography by Michael Ballhouse, who the legend who is an incredible uh director of photography and then miles goodman does the music and it was released by orion in 1988 so you had never seen this movie beforehand yeah what like what i guess what so i actually i mean at one point this was on one of my streaming services uh-huh. that i had in college and i was like i'll get around to it but the issue is anytime i want to watch a comedy uh-huh. i it's it's a hard sell mm-hmm. if it's at like a buck forty or higher. I think like an hour oh, forty. Oh, or two. oh okay, yeah. Gotcha. It's because it, like if I want to watch a comedy, I want like ninety, a hundred minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and th- and that be it. But that being said, like we're talking about with the structure here, this earns its runtime it without moves. a movie. Yeah, it yeah. moves fast. Um, but I think just when you when you want to sit down and like just watch a comedy, it's it's hard, it was a hard sell for me that this was you know breaching on two hours. So yeah, so, I, that's why I avoided it for so long. I think. But no, I mean, I now I wish I'd watched it sooner. Because yeah. I feel like I really would have enjoyed this back then. No, I, I, yeah. I, I, I get that. Yeah, I, I watched, I came to it late as well. Um, it's why I wish I would have watched earlier on in terms of the Steve Martin canon. It was kind of fun to kind of come back and watch. But also, Michael Caine's really great in this. I think Michael And they're Caine, fun with each other. Yeah. Fun, their chemistry is fantastic. I think Caine can sometimes be forgotten. He, he's not remembered all the time. He's not talked about as being a great comedic actor a lot of times. Yeah, if yeah. That makes sense. Even though, like, he is. I think it, just, it depends on. I guess generationally is the thing. It's like he was Alfie, who was a comedic kind of comedic character in that. Um, he's played comedy roles before, but I think he's always known as being kind of the straight man. Is the mm-hmm. thing in the comedies like a movie I like with him um, is is Peter Bogdanovich's uh, Noises Off, where he uh, he plays a, a a theater director, and he's just so like you're just watching him crumble of how the, when the play is going poorly. <laughs> And how he like almost hates every actor that he talks to. They're asking questions. And he's like, no, <laughs> no, why? Like, just he, he's so he's so straightforward with them. Um, and this, he's a little bit more suave, is the thing. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to dive into this. So let's get into the whole kind of story behind Dirty Rotten Scoundrels because I actually, this is an interesting kind of history of how this gets made and it, it actually is a very good kind of case study of projects that hop around from place to place and also copyright issues as well oh, interesting so del honor also del honor who wrote the script he later would write my cousin Vinny as well um kind of a big kind of comedic writer at the or at this point he did my cousin Vinny dirty rotten scoundrels um love potion number nine but my cousin Vinny. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels kind of being the two big ones that he wrote for both of them. Um, so basically, Del Honor had just finished working on his first produced screenplay, Ruthless People, starring Danny DeVito and Bette Midler. And it was a movie over at Disney, which then was released through one of their non-family banners, Touchdown Pictures. Before the release of 
Before the release of Ruthless People, they were searching for a music artist to create a song that would serve as a title song for the film. We're going to get there. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a long way to get Dirty Rotten Scoundrels here. The singer that would eventually do it would be Mick Jagger. No way. Jagger had recently worked with David Bowie on their hit song, uh, Dancing in the Streets, which is a cover of the hit song from Martha Mandela's, and they'd done that kind of infamous music video. And Bowie and Jagger loved working together, and they wanted to make a movie together. And Jagger, because he was working on The Ruthless People, he had read the script for it, and it was he liked Del Lahner's work, basically, from the script. So he told Bowie about it, and Bowie's production company would contact Lahner about writing a movie that would star both David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Lahner said, no, thank you. He doesn't really write for stars. He kind of just like writes on his own and the cast. And he said no. And he said, hung up. And then almost a, a few minutes later, I called him back, and I was like, hey... I don't want to do this, but I have an idea you guys might like. He said he had seen this movie when he was younger that starred David Niven and Marlon Brando, and they played two competing gigolos slash con artists in the south of France. Lawner said it might be a good vehicle for both Bowie and Jagger, but he couldn't remember what the movie was called. Because again, this is the late 80s. He's like, there's no internet for me to go look this up. And a lot of this stuff from Lawner comes from uh, an interview he did on the Shout Factory Blu-ray that came out a few years ago. Uh, and so Lonard pitched this idea to them or like kind of inadvertently pitched this idea of like, Hey, a remake of some movie. I don't remember what it's called. And a few months go by and Lonard gets a call that from United artists who wants to do this movie that Mick Jagger's coming to LA and he wants to meet with Lonard <laughs> and discuss this con artist movie that he, he thought up and Lonard agreed to meet with him, but they needed to find out what this movie was and who owned the rights to it. So they did a search and they found out the movie that Lawner remembered was called Bedtime Stories. And it did star Marlon Brando and David Niven. And it was about two con artists in the French Riviera in Cannes conning this woman, Janet, uh, out of her money. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. Uh, and, and it said Bedtime Stories. I think it was released in... Let me get the title for you. Um, 1964. Oh, wow. So he had seen it and just kind of remembered it offhand but didn't know the title of it. And so he was like, we had to find out who owns it. United Artists looks into it and they realize it was released by Universal Pictures and Universal and United Artists contacts them and Universal basically says, no, we're not interested in giving the rights to this. So United Artists is like, well, I guess that's it. We want this movie. But the idea of putting Mick Jagger and David Bowie in a movie together is kind of creating a buzz around town. And because of that, Lawner had, and because Lawner had written Ruthless, and because Lawner had written Ruthless People, which was a box office hit for Disney, Disney was like, hey, maybe we should make it. And they get involved and they talk with Universal Pictures about them getting the rights from them. And Universal says no again to them. <laughs> so soon, because of all of these knowing no's from, from uh, Universal to Disney and United Artists, Jagger and Bowie would drop out of the project and decide to go work on a Martin Scorsese project, which would also kind of fail to come to fruition. Uh, but I'll we'll seen that movie, man. But also, you have to put in perspective that if Bowie doesn't do this, I think he ends up going and does Last Temptation of Christ, which comes out the same year as this. Mm. Um, so word got around that Bowie and Jagger had dropped. So now, Paramount Pictures, specifically Eddie Murphy's production company, which had a deal at Paramount because it was he was one of the last big artists who or actors who signed under like a studio deal. Uh, they reached out to Lawner about writing a movie, writing this movie for Eddie Murphy as one of the con men. Murphy's uncle apparently loved the original movie and introduced it to him, so Murphy wanted to do it. 
Now, with Murphy on board, Paramount went to Universal about getting their rights, and guess what? They didn't get those. They said no. <laughs> Universal turned them down. So, Loner realizing that, so Murphy drops out. Loner realizing, hey, everyone in Hollywood wants to make this movie, but Universal standing in the way. Why don't we just go to Universal <laughs> and pitch it to them? And so he and his buddy, his producing friend, I think Charles uh, Hershon, who used to work at Universal, went to Universal and pitched them the idea. And they sat down with Universal, Universal executive Josh Donan, and they, they had him watch a Bedtime Story together w- with them. And Donan said it was good, but kind of sexist was the thing. It was 64, and it was... It was I don't and yeah it was the time and Brando's in it so there you go. Uh, Loner said that they could change that, and soon Loner would get a call a few days later, and Universal would pass on making the movie. But Loner said that Donnan kind of hinted that Universal might not actually own the rights to the movie. Oh, like everyone thought they did. Loner decided to do some research of his own, and he talked with his lawyer, and they paid three hundred fifty dollars to do a copyright search for the rights of Bedtime Story, which is something that none of the previous mega studios did. So Disney, allegedly Disney, Paramount, and United Artists, no one did, hey, who who actually owns the rights? Let's look at the copyright. What Loner found out was that Universal did not own the rights to the film anymore, and the rights had actually lapsed and went back to the, the film's original producer and co-writer, Stanley Shapiro. Shapiro was an old school writer who had written a lot of Rock Hudson movies, including Pillow Talk and Come September. Uh, in fact, Bedtime Story was originally written to be a starring vehicle for Rock Hudson, Cary Grant, and Doris Day Whoa. before it became Brando and Niven. Loner would meet with Shapiro, and they quickly became friends, and Shapiro made a deal with Loner on a napkin, giving him the rights to remake Bedtime Stories. Bedtime Story. Now, after initially turning down writing a remake for Mick Jagger and David Bowie, Loner now found himself writing and co-producing the remake he originally said no to. And they would decide to take the movie to Orion Pictures. And Loner would write the script for them, and they would soon begin searching for a director. And they created a short list of popular comedy directors, and they would eventually hire Herbert Ross, who had directed such films as The Goodbye Girl with Richard Dreyfuss, written by Neil Simon. He had done Footloose. He had done The Last of Sheila. He'd done Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin and several other movies. But while Ross was attached, CAA, Creative Artist Agency, one of the biggest Hollywood agencies then and now, contacted Loner and Orion about a replacement if Ross decided to drop out. CAA said that their client, Frank Oz, was highly interested in directing the project if Ross left. Loner said that Oz's team called them every week, reminding them (laughs) Oz is ready to step in immediately if Ross drops out. And soon, I guess they kind of predicted it, Ross would drop out and Frank Oz would step in. Now, Frank Oz, as we talked about on our Patreon episode, Frank Oz had just finished making Little Shop of Horrors, and he started working on what would become Dirty Rotten Scoundrels immediately. And Oz and his producing team would start casting the film. And Loner said when he wrote the script, he always envisioned an older actor and a younger actor in the roles of Lawrence and Freddie. Loner said his initial thought was for Warren Beatty to play Lawrence and for Tom Cruise to play Freddy. Whoa. Very different movie. But somehow the script will get to Michael Caine, and he was interested in playing Lawrence. And it seems at this point it was called The King of the Mountain, and it was going to be him and either Tom Cruise or Matthew Broderick, according to kind of reports of the time. But 
Orion wanted a star in the role, and apparently Michael Caine was not a star was not a big enough star to be the lead to be Lawrence in this movie. Instead, they wanted Steve Martin to play the sophisticated con artist Lawrence. Interesting. And for the role of Freddie, it was to be played by Bill Murray, reuniting the two cast members of Little Shop of Horrors. And Murray, I think, would soon drop out of the role, uh, and they'd have to begin looking for a Freddie now that Murray was out. So no, for, no Murray and Steve Martin in the lead roles. Martin and, as Lawrence. Uh, Lawner said he was surprised that Martin was cast in the role of, of, of Lawrence because he was a sophisticated suave con man. And that's not really Steve Martin's screen persona at this right. time. I said, no, 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 Martin be perfect. He's he's actually a really smart, brilliant, sophisticated guy, which is true. Um, so he's like, yeah, I think it's going to be perfect. This is kind of his personality in general. So to bring in Richard Dreyfus to read for the role of Freddie with Steve Martin reading the role of Lawrence. But Dreyfus would read the script and kind of the sides of the audition and just based off the character description, assume he was reading for Lawrence and Steve Martin right. was reading for Freddie because Freddie is the outlandish con young right. con, con guy. So for audition purposes, when this happened, Martin just said, fine, I'll read for Freddie so we can see Dreyfus' audition. He's come here. We'll do this. So Dreyfus reads for for Lawrence and Steve Martin off the cuff reads for Freddie. And then for some, and then right after that, once it's over, Oz apparently calls up Lana. was like, yeah, I think, I think Martin's a better fit for Freddie. And so they switch Martin's from Freddie or from Lawrence to Freddie. Right. Which essentially affects the net, the now new casting of the movie. Well, it's just really hard for me to picture Dreyfus in that role. Like I'm thinking about yeah. what about Bob? It's like flipping those two. It's like know? flipping those two. It'd be like, it'd be like he, yeah, he's yeah, playing Mur- Bob and Murray's and, playing and Murray's playing the psychiatrist. <laughs> like, what? Anyways, it's just so different. So for some reason, Dreyfus is not cast as Lawrence, but he would later be in What's About What's About Bob? What About Bob? Which was also directed by Frank Oz and starred Bill Murray. Uh, and apparently, uh, as later reports. They hated one another on the set, Murray and uh, Murray and Dreyfus. I think that energy shows up on screen. It shows, yeah, yeah, it definitely shows. Like, oh, At least in the Dreyfus yep. <laughs> reactions. Um, and so now that they had their Freddie, but no Lawrence, they had to start searching for Lawrence all over again. And it was offered to John Cleese. Oh, interesting. But he apparently turned it down because he said he had just finished a grueling publicity tour for Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, and he really didn't want to start like going and doing another movie immediately after. He would later say he regretted that decision. Um, another regret, too, was that Bowie and Jagger were like, yeah, we're kind of pissed we missed out on that script uh, later on in life. But Cleese, you know, did A Fish Called Wanda, which is also kind of a con movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it is. It yeah. is. Um, and speaking of, of... But yes, of, I would have loved to see Bowie and Met Jagger in this, in this Yeah, it's been wild. <laughs> and speaking of A Fish Called Wanda, Michael Palin would also audition for the role... Uh, Cleese's other fellow Python member, mm-hmm. but he would not get cast in the role of Lawrence. So eventually, they decide to circle back and cast Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is like this whole thing has just been Hollywood it's bullshit. It's wild. Circle. It's wild how it happened. And so once Caine met with Oz and Martin, he would sign pretty much immediately. Uh, some other names that I found that were also rumored for the movie, not sure if these are true, but Rowan Atkinson was one, oh. Gene, Gene Wilder, Dudley Moore, Leslie Nielsen, and Eric Idle. Interesting. Specifically for Lawrence character. Yeah, yeah. Um, they would round out the cast with up-and-coming actress Glenn Headley, who had only played a few supporting roles for the most part in lesser-known films at this point. And soon pre-production would begin. But Frank Oz would say very early on, even when he made when he, when he agreed to do the movie, they needed to change the ending. And hopefully it would come to them as they neared production. Oh. Spoiler alert, it didn't. 
And that takes us to favorite scenes. So, David, what's one of your favorite scenes or kind of elements of the movie? I love the opening shot, man. Opening shot's awesome. amazing. It's awesome. And then it tells I have some notes on the, that. I have some oh, notes on that. Yeah. Oh, like in the, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great. He's like following the, the joy. The hand. And, and, and instantly, you know, sets up this concept of like what they're after, you yep. know. It does. Um, but then and then it's the opening titles. It's like it's just a really brilliant opening shot, you know. And what it does, and we'll talk about this as, more, as we go on too, is like it sets the tone of the movie. As Absolutely. You're Not just like the genre, but like also like this almost like escapism, like. Again, French Riviera, like in the summer, like European type movie, mm-hmm. almost like, and like, and especially nineteen fifties, like older, like like old throwback type movie is what it is. Is what it feels like in mm-hmm. the opening shot with like the water, this kind of like dark blue, even though it's at night, and all the lights from the city, and it feels it's in a way that opening feels like like magical in a weird way even though the movie's not I do well I agree yeah yeah. but it has this like magical quality to it for sure you're entering into this this movie world basically is the thing Um, but yeah and it's perfect just like following the hands no 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 no. yeah yeah and it also introduces us to kind of like the game he plays the game he plays yes Uh, without even seeing him which is the game well his face yeah Yeah. (laughs) and and Oz talks about too going from that uh, because it's a great opening but then also the way he introduces all the characters, both yeah. characters yeah. specifically, the two lead characters early on, where like he's like, yeah, I think it's great when you can, if you can do a big kind of dramatic turn for a character, where yeah, the next time you see Michael Caine, it's it's his his back's to camera, and then he spins around, and then he kind of spins yeah. around when he finds out who's who that he's look who 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 his mark is is what it is, right? Um, which I find just really funny, and and then he he does the commentary, and I actually loved it. I thought it was funny is when the 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 lady that the the uh, the woman from from uh, I guess Omaha or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love all like the early barks in the movie. Too. Yeah, they're, they're like they're like oh, she's from Oklahoma, so she's like, so, like she's she's like somewhere in the Midwest and probably like the the rich wife or ex wife of like an oil baron or something. And that first one is so funny because she's like when he's like, can you can you see if uh, how much this ring will cost? Like, oh no, your highness, that's the royal that's the royal ring. And he's like. I know. I just, I just, okay, fine. And then she, he just gets up and leaves. And she's like, I just want to know what's happening to the prince. Like what's, and, and then he meets him. And, but I love the bit that Oz talked about in the commentary is, is when like, it's the plant bit where like they push someone in the plant and the plant's like really loud and ruffle, like, like rustles or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, no one probably finds this funny, but me, but I find it. Fun. And I found it really funny that they're just like, it keeps like escalating. And we're like, someone just like randomly throwing someone into a plant real quick. <laughs> And then it's just like, whoosh, like, like just the rough rustling of it. Like this is insane. And then Kane like jumps off the, like yeah. the, the area. He's like, I must go. And it's like, he's so over the top. It's, it's perfect. Right. For this. Yeah. And again, it shows us like the tone of this movie. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And his kind of character. Yeah. His kind of character. Um, And then I love that. Like them meeting, obviously. Kane. And when they met. <laughs> yeah. And so then it go into the train sequence yeah. and it's this push in of the camera. And then just like, you're following Kane, then Kane sits down, the camera keeps going, and Martin walks right into frame. Right. And then it's just. <laughs> well, I love the look he gives him, too. Like, he, it's, yeah. he instantly knows. He like, instantly knows. Like, like the, the, a con man knows a con man. A con man, exactly. <laughs> when he's like, he's like, oh, I'm just so hungry. Let me see. <laughs> I'll just have some water. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I love Martin just like instantly just pushing his buttons. Yeah. Just, I'll just have some water. And it's like, and she's like, he's like, oh yeah, I just. It's for my mom's surgery, you know. Like, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I take from the Red Cross and give it right back most of the time. And he's just like, and then he keeps going. He's like, 
Yeah, she's like, well, you seem so hungry. Yeah, I know, but I just I want to save my money for something for to help my mom with the surgery or whatever. And then she's like, well, I'll, I'll I'll get your dinner. He's like, okay, cool. Like, stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple beers. Like, yeah. Let's get three beers. Like, you, three, you want one? <laughs> then you want one? Get, let's get there. Get there. Let's get there. <laughs> Two bags of chips. Like he was raring to go, and, and then the, them in the train car is great too. In the train car, I, this, this line coming is, I can tell you have a lot to learn about women. And then yeah, Kane's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, okay, and like, and it, again, it's again, and their back and forth is great. Their back and forth is great, but again, it's establishing this dynamic of like the guy who talks the most is right. the one who doesn't realize what's going on. Like Kane's the very silent type, but that that's because he's he's. He's analyzing the situation. Yeah, yeah, how much of a threat is this guy going to be? Yeah, him? and he just seems like he's just, he's just a talker, and like he yeah. just he thinks he's much. He's he's a he is a, a a big fish in a big pond right now, or a right. little fish in a big pond. Like he thinks he's he's may like may pickpocket a few people or whatever, and now he's like I'm gonna like go get the big stuff in France and like really, really yeah. get some old, really get some 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 rich wives or whatever. And yeah, it's the back and forth. Um, Oh, that was just fantastic. And then when Kane kind of plays the ultimate thing where he like, but he, but he, he goes, oh yeah, like my wife and kid, I have to call them. Like they always, always yeah, know yeah. when I'm getting in. Um, and I love the part too. Again, he's like, he goes, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about the weaker sex is what he says about like women or whatever. And he's like, no, no, that's the thing. They're smarter than us. And we just got to use that. <laughs> um, but no, they're they're great in the opening moment. Yeah, in, yeah. In that, and then he pulls the fast one, and then and then all of a sudden again, kind of the first of many is that he thinks he's gotten rid of Steve Martin by like saying about oh. they just sees him. And he, see, he, he sees <laughs> him like in the middle of a con. Well, we'll see, yeah, sees him in the car of the woman yeah. he's going to con. He's like, well, I guess I can't do that anymore. <laughs> and then he sets him up later <laughs> and gets him arrested for it. But and then he gets him away from um um uh, gets him away. He's like, I want to send you back to like wherever. And when he, that's when he meets uh, Lady Fanny from Omaha, right. is what it is. And I love Steve Martin showing up at the, at at Kane's house, like realizing what's happened now. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh no, I was so dumb. You're the one that's great at this. Right. Like, I want all of this. I want all of this." They're like, "What do you What do you want? I want this. This is what I want." <laughs> and he's like pitching the whole plan of all that, and I think it's just great. Yeah. And then you get that great montage of them. Yeah, like where he's teaching him some class. Yeah. And I love they just have Ian McDermott like in the background of the shots, just yeah. reacting. He's just so unamused by Martin's antics. <laughs> just I love it later when, when Steve Martin's like, "Hey, I'm gonna pay you back for that." Oh yeah. Uh, like, forget. Shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Um, There's a great scene too. Late later on, and we'll talk about probably that that whole bit. Yeah. But when he's in the car, they pull up later, and he's in the car. And McDermott, what does he say? He says something to him. He yeah. kills me, bro. But oh, welcome to hell, or th- welcome to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then we get to, um, we get so when he he he's he pretending gets, to be the brother. <laughs> okay, but what's great about that is like because because of this montage, you're expecting them to be like doing classy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're both it's, swa- it's like a two hander right. or whatever. But but the great bit about this is like this is allows Martin to kind of he has a few moments later as well. Yeah, this allows him to just like go full out. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so he he poses as uh, um, what what rubricked rubricked I think rubricked yeah. yeah. Excuse me, may I go to the bathroom? May I go to the bathroom? Yeah, that's my Thank you. Excuse me, may I go to the bathroom? Thank you. Such a Martin bit, dude. <laughs> One of my favorite bits that he does, like, why is there a cork on this fork? Oh, just to protect his eyes. And then immediately it cuts the 
to Martin, like, almost stabbing himself in the eye. Oh. <laughs> but I was like, not mother. It's like what he says when he's like, when the woman's like, when he's like, not mother. She's not mother. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, it's so insane. And when he's, how he's playing that is just like, again, it's that great, like I said, that great juxtaposition of like, suave hair slicks back he looks yeah. like almost like just a, a different version of michael kane yeah and then it's like <laughs> martin go full steve martin it goes just, just yeah weird hair <laughs> like sweating like tight clothes are you ba- are you banging on your pants again <laughs> <laughs> you don't we don't have you keep banging you'll 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 get rid of your pants <laughs> oh god it's uh, yeah it's it's and yeah it's it's like it's like we're just trying to get rid of these people. Like we're getting their money and then getting rid of them. Right. And I think yeah, I think he's. I don't know if you can do this nowadays. No, is no, a no. thing. Yeah. But I do find it hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> the bathroom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But then again, again talking about like a well structured movie is like again at the midpoint. It's Martin's like okay, I'm tired of doing this bullshit. Yeah, let me well, do my thing. Well, I think it's also like the the impetus for this. Like he sees kind of what Kane is spending all his money on, and he's yeah. like, really, this is what you're spending your money on? I was yeah. Like what? <laughs> I do love that scene. The culture montage where he's, he's just, just like, like oh yes, you you buy a garden. It takes hundreds of years, yeah. and then uh, and, oh, like, you, oh, you're gonna sell it, right? Or what's the angle here? What's the angle here? <laughs> it's like oh, or it's like oh, you you buy wine. Oh, we drink it. We never drink this. Cool. So you're gonna sell it. Yeah, you're selling. No, this is for us to keep. And then when they're at the museum, he's like, Yeah, I bought this this great statue and I donate it here for free. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love to like the before that Martin's like, I got culture coming out of my ass. Yeah. <laughs> when he doesn't get any money. Oh, you, yeah. Your your payment is knowledge, is what he says. Oh. Uh. But it, but it is a good again playing to that juxtaposition of their characters, yeah. like how they view each other. Yes, because Kane kind of views him as a Lawrence kind of views him as like a lower class, you know, yes. criminal, you yes. know, essentially. And and he's like this cultured, you yeah. know, high. Yeah, yes, he's ripping off people, but he he has some sort of a moral code, yes. which he reveals later. Which but, reveals later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Martin's all about again. It's like living in kind of the like, I want to live fast. Like what right. are we doing? Like. We're walking in a museum because you bought this damn statue. Like he's like, okay, I I admire it because it's a naked woman, but like I can't, like I can't, like I can't see myself buying this. Is the thing. There's some great dialogue in this movie. Oh no, it's like, great, some yeah. great lines. And I do wonder how much of it is just them riffing. Yeah, because what what we'll talk about later is like they just got along so well they would just like go, and yeah, I think I think they're fantastic with that. Yeah, and then of course that that leads to them making this bet. Making this bet, yes, uh, like which we talked about in the in the intro, but <laughs> I'm just reading read my notes like what gets comes after this. Yeah. But yeah, it's like he pulls the stolen stolen valor card. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Michael Kane's face. So yeah, the, yeah, oh, the, yeah, the, the whole, reveal, yeah. Their whole bit, yeah, is that they're gonna like okay, we're gonna con her into fifty thousand dollars, and so so Kane does a bit you've already seen him do. He's gonna do the can you can you guys sell this yeah, ring? He's gonna, be it, it's gonna be a prince. It's gonna be a prince. And, sort of and then Martin rolls up. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And when he hits, okay, get in here. And Kane turns around, not knowing it's him. And the look on his face yeah. is like, oh, you mother. It just feels yeah. like he's like, oh, this is you asshole. It's like what it kind of comes right. off as. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And even later when he like leaves the table and she follows him, yeah. King kind of looks back and he's like, he gives him almost a look of respect. Yeah. I think that's kind of the first point in the he's movie like, where he's okay. like, okay, now well it's a game. Well played, sir. Yeah, now it's, well played. He thought it was going to be a cakewalk. Cakewalk. Well played. Like, and he actually, and the thing is, Martin actually uses his own thing. He's like, can you can you see if he can sell? Oh, right. And the guy's like, no, the can't. metal, right? Yeah, yeah the metal. Like, can you see if he can sell this metal? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like just him coming up and trying to get into the table. <laughs> and Kane, Kane's realization of like, uh, oh you, and like, and just kind of as he sees it, realizes, mm. oh, you're gonna do this, aren't you? Type thing. Right. And and I love like. Well, I mean, we'll probably get into more detail, but I just love the from here on out. It's like just push and pull between them, like oh, one upping each other, yes, like checking each other, and then they another one pulls a crazy move. You're like, it's like, oh, oh, uh, I've been I've been trying to reach uh, Doctor, uh, what's the guy's think, name? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, like Doctor whatever it was. Um, I've been trying to reach him the entire time. Um, oh yeah. Oh, he's he's here in the hotel, or or when when he brings it, when she brings him up, when uh, when Janet's like, "Who's someone you want to see in the whole wide world besides your mom?" He's like, "I don't know." It's like, "Oh, it's the doctor you've been writing to for months." And it's Miles Kane. He has a weird German accent or whatever. <laughs> and the scene I love, kind of that that kind of goes into this is like when he's like, "Okay, let's see, let's see how you feel." And he's like feeling Martin's leg, and he starts like hitting, him. and then he gets that yeah. like flower, and it's. <laughs> like basically like a whip yeah and he when, when he, he does the running he does the running, running start <laughs> <laughs> and whips him right in the well, bare it, legs it maybe think and i know you just recently rewatched this but maybe think of the big lebowski when uh towards the end when when they oh, show yes. up does, i i can, i've never been more sure of anything well, in my life that man can walk that man can walk i want to prove it to you and that's <laughs> what happens and jeff bridge's reaction to this like, walter come on walter, like let's, come let's, on let's help yeah. him up <laughs> He's like, I just love. He's like, I've never been more about anything in my, my life. <laughs> and, and, and Kane's just like, oh, this, this is the test I'm gonna do, and then whips yeah. him. And then I love Martin's like, how does that feel? <laughs> like that saying yeah. anything? Like trying to hold it trying in. Trying to hold it in. Well, then that release, that close up at the end of him, just like crying. Like, oh my god, he's crying. Look what you've done. And it's like just bawling from the pain. <laughs> yeah, just letting it all. He's holding in. Oh, uh, it's amazing. And she, because she comes in here halfway through, Glenn, Glenn Headley is just so electric and charming yeah. and sweet. And, and the way like, she plays off both of their antics is crazy. It's really great. Yeah. It's like, and, and then as you come into later and you kind of see, once you know the twists and everything, it just makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Of like how good she is. Yeah, I'm really interested to see this on a rewatch. Yeah, like to, how to pay more attention is. to like what she's doing the whole time. Yeah, like one of my favorite scenes is like when when Martin is uh when he's pretending he's gonna go that drown, next drown himself. Yeah, and it's like oh my god, he's gonna come so oh, and she reads there, and then he's like slowly creeps in on his on his wheelchair, and it's like, oh there he goes. We're gonna leave him. Let him, let him do his thing. We can't we can't go after him. And then when they're down there, he's like, oh, I, I can't. He's like, don't make me go around to you have to move. And he's like trying to crawl <laughs> on the beach. Oh, God. But, they, and they but when sit- he's like running with the wheelchair oh, yeah, down the yeah. staircase. He's like, oh, no. I was dying. It's dude. amazing. I was it's, dying. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just like, I don't want to live. <laughs> well, that's another moment where Martin's kind of allowed to go. You know, a, little, a little a little over the top. Yeah, again, another one of my bits I love is before this is when, because his whole thing is that he says like he got paralyzed, I guess, after uh, he saw his, <laughs> his, his girlfriend, uh, ha- I guess, having sex. Was it having sex with like their teeth? It was, what was it again? 
Well, I something the, on the dance floor. The thing I just remember <laughs> is just like him being. I, I actually caught, caught that, but like the thing I remember so much is that like he's like when they're out at a club, he's like, "Oh my god, they're dancing," and he just reminds like that's what that's what his well, lover. Him. Yeah. That's what reminds him of his lover cheating on him. Yeah, and he calls. He, he crawls in and they're dancing. He goes, "Oh my god, you're dancing!" <laughs> he goes, "I crawled all the way up here because I heard the music." <laughs> And here you are <laughs> dancing. Well, that's that's a song when they're in that when they're in like the disco club or whatever. Oh, that song's amazing, that, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's like impossible to find. Yeah, I was oh, looking really? it on YouTube. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Like everybody in the comments is like, I've been searching for this years. For years. <laughs> that's wild. I guess look at the credits, maybe. I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, but even then, it's like I think it was just like so, something made for the movie or something. Maybe, it's like, yeah. yeah, just like yeah. disappeared, but. Um, um, but no, yeah, but yeah, but I love the moment when like she's about to kiss him on the beach, come back to the beach park. Yeah, she's about to kiss him on the beach. Then oh, Michael and then, Caine, yeah, like, walks or, down. Yeah. Like we all love you, Freddie, or whatever he said. He yeah. says a lot. Um, well, she, oh, she's literally like I'm on top of him, about to end, about then, to kiss, and him, then you hear and Michael Caine's voice, in, and you're like, Son of a bitch. <laughs> and this yeah. is around the time where like we again we switch again. It's a new sequence, yeah. and it's like okay, we realize that we've we've. We've manipulated possibly a poor lady because you, yeah, you. She reveals she's not she reveals rich. She won a contest. Rich. She won a contest, and it's, the contest is called Soap Queen of the USA. And so she, she says she borrowed money from her dad, and she yeah. sold her car because she wants to help. Uh, she wants to help. <laughs> um, she wants to help Freddie, and 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 now that we said as in terms of Michael Caine gaining conscience, as Lawrence gains a conscience, he's like, yeah. oh my god, we've been we've been conning this poor lady out yeah. of her money. I love that, that line too. He's like, I never knew people like you existed. Yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. You're actually doing something out of the goodness. You of your don't heart. even know this guy. <laughs> well, that's what he said, and he says that in the car too. Later, he's like, I only do things to wealth, wealthy and corrupt well, people, corrupt and people never and to uh, yeah. poor and virtuous. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think it's just it's that's great. And then again, and then it becomes the bev like, okay, um, whoever can. Whoever can sleep with her first yeah. is uh is is now the new. Well, I, I thought, but I thought King Kong clarifies in that scene like he he doesn't want to he he just wants to see if he can if he can do it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. really it's just Freddie. Right, right. Well, Freddie, Freddie that's Freddie's initial pitches for both of them, but then Dude. King's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, I love that line too. He's like, don't you have any emotion that occurs b- above the waist? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and Martin's like, no. Um, <laughs> and then again, you have the bit with the with the with the, the navy guys. Yeah, that's a great bit. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, guy's kind of an asshole, right? <laughs> He's he's like making funny because you can't dance because because you, your legs don't work or whatever. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, it's kind of a thing. And he was like, you know, we can get him on a Chicago ship out of here. He goes, that would be amazing. Like the way he's just so like. <laughs> well, and then when they pull up in the car, yeah. the, the van things there, and they pull up and they just hoist him and hoist him in. <laughs> and Martin's like, great. And they, and they, but yeah, I love the scene. It's like it's a great, a funny scene too where he goes to see. He goes to see her, Janet, and he's like, I think if, if you tell me you love me, yeah. I'll be able to walk. And then they add this like really over the top like music when he starts standing up oh, to walk. By, and I think that's his best delivery in the movie. He goes, I'm standing. I'm standing. <laughs> and then again, talking about great reveals is that she's like, she's like, he's like, she's like, he's like go farther because he's trying to get her to bed is the yeah. whole thing. And they're literally on the bed. And they're on the bed. Oh. And, he's, and he's like, oh, thank And then Kane's just like, I love you, Freddie. <laughs> And then it's the like, how the hell did he get here? Yeah, and she's like, yeah, she he got here right before you said. He said you're probably going to show up and and show that you can walk. He's really <laughs> believing it. She's like, you did it. You did everything. You did everything you said you was going to do. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to show up here. He's going to slog. 
Uh, but I but I do love that. And then like it's the reveal that Kane got the sailors on his side. Yeah. And then again later it's like then Freddy gets him back on his, his side. side at the end. Because like, they like duct taped him. Du- yeah. They don't really say it fully. Like, like yeah. duct tape duct him to a wall is what it is. Yeah, but at then the they party. party all night and then yeah. Yeah, and then they're cool with him. He's like, oh, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, and then it's the, like he goes, he goes back to, to see. Again, I, I think like essentially Kane somehow like kind of falls in love with her because she's so good is what it is. Right. Yeah. And um, because she's such a good person. So he's like, I got to let her leave. He's like, he's like, no, he goes, if he loves you, he'll follow you. Because he knows like Freddie's not going to follow her is the whole thing. Right. Like, he's not going to go to America and go find her. He doesn't really love her. And then so Freddie goes back to the hotel and they and then she shows up and. And again, I love when Kane like then he's like he's like oh and when she comes back she's like he stole money from me he did this and yeah. Kane's like oh my god that bastard I knew it he was he was a dirty rotten scoundrel from the beginning type thing, and it gives her like like his money to, to send her off and and Martin coming up and just being like <laughs> handcuffed in a room what, <laughs> what did you do <laughs> she's and then the whole kind of the subplot of again kind of going through the entire movie right. is that there's this other american con artist called the jackal called the jackal and kane and his group of people just assume that it's martin it's freddie yeah. because freddie's a talker and he's like oh he must not be, they must not be that good if they're all if they're black plastered all over the newspaper and then, you, <laughs> and then it you get into i think just a really phenomenal ending once they realize that she was the jackal and she's conned them. Yeah. And they're like, well, summer's over. And that's when Kane's like really like smitten. He's like, yeah. Well, that, when he, 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 he basically falls in love with her <laughs> yeah. because like she she's a him. great con artist. <laughs> that's the whole thing. And again, I love it when, when she, yeah. When he, when he's like, Oh my God, she's brilliant. And, and then when they're, when it's that great shot of them, like they're on, they're on the, like looking over the sun, oh, sunset and, uh, on the like, bench on the yeah. bench. And well, that, that's the, that's what you referenced earlier. When, when Martin, Martin walks up and he, goes, and he says it to Ian, we like, I'm sorry, I broke your VHS player. Yeah. I'll send you a check. Yeah. Like, oh, shut up. Oh, shut up. Oh, he, he says like, send me the make and model. I'll send you, you should, a check. Send me the make and model. Shut up. I'll just shut up. But yeah. And then it, le- then it leads to them. To, and and it's, it's a beautiful shot. It's a beautiful shot. And, and, and actually, Frank, and I, I, that was when I noted, no, cause I was like, who the hell shot this? And then I wrote down, Oh, Michael Ball. Yeah, ball house, yeah. He, and they hold it for a while. Like yeah, it's, it's not really a shot you see in a comedy, if that makes no, sense. Like no. it's it's a really artistic shot yeah. where it's like we're not seeing their faces; you're just hearing them talking about like, "All right, bye, Fred. Like, like, yeah. it, it's been fun." Like yeah. blah blah. And then you just see you hear this very <laughs> Long Island accent <laughs> with 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 dyed red hair and very eighties like New York. Uh, almost like uh, a ma- um, mafia wife type right. outfit, yeah. and you realize it's it's Janet, and you're like, wait a minute, yeah. Like I know, like well, you know, you know, she's already the con artist, but now she's come back to them, right. and she's essentially like handing them a con, she's handing them yeah. a con, yeah. and then she, it's the great moment where <laughs> she's just like, you know, I made three million dollars last year, but your fifty thousand was the most fun I've had, <laughs> and it's like, let's just go have fun, and. Again, it's this in the whole speech. It's like she goes, oh, "Mr. Australia himself." Yeah, is this, uh, this is like long beat, long and then beat. Kane just goes right into yeah, it. <laughs> and then and then she's like, and here's here's his Mr. Right Hand Man, and then it's like he's a mute. He's, <laughs> <laughs> 
and Martin's just like his face just falls. Yeah, he's, oh. like, <laughs> he's just like, damn it, I'm back to the old shit I was before. I'm Rupert again. Now I have to have this gimmick to myself. Oh man. And then yeah, but and that other part I love where she's just like, let's go get him. Like she yeah. changes her voice again. Making it seem like she she's you never know when she's being truthful in, right. in the thing. And I love that final shot too with that. That final shot's the, great. The scrolling credits as well. Yeah. They're scrolling credits and they're walking to the car. Yeah. And you can tell Martin's just like probably bitching about I don't want to do that. Like <laughs> no. why'd you make me mute? <laughs> why'd you make me mute? I'm not doing this. I'm leaving. And then it's just becomes like, no, 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 no. We need it's like cause you can tell that that he cause she's gonna be the the lead person in this, it feels like. And Kane's gonna support because he's just so marveled by how brilliant she is. Yeah. And Martin Frey's like, no, 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 screw this. Like, what are we doing here? Let me shine, baby. Let me cook. Like, that's what it feels like. <laughs> let, 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 him, let him cook. Let me cook. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's really just, again, it's so, and we, we literally could talk about all these scenes because it's yeah. such a well-structured movie yeah. where you kind of can't take anything out, it feels like, to me at least. Yeah. And I think like each uh, sequence like holds its own. It's it like, does. Yeah. It does. Like it's it's actually quite wild to yeah. see how that movie how it's aged in that in that yeah. regard. It's, I agree. It's crazy. I agree, hundred percent. Um. So with that, we literally went to the entire movie. <laughs> Is there anything else we missed? No, no. I, I was literally like B for B, yeah. like reading my notes. Like well, I, I think it was crazy. It was like I think all of our favorite scenes were like the same ones. The same ones. Which, yeah, I mean, because yeah. those are the best. Those know, are the best scenes. scenes. It's the big. It's because yeah. it, what it does is or, or like the climax of each sequence. Exactly. Yeah. When you're talking about sequence structure and kind of writing. Is it yeah. like you build each sequence around kind of a moment? That's your kind of your your tent pole, basically. Right. It's like we're getting here. We're yeah. getting to him walking. We're getting to him doing this. We're getting to I'm standing. Yeah, I'm standing. You're getting to these certain moments, yeah. the, and and you're just building to that building to that question, that overarching question of each sequence, and then getting a new one at the end right. is the thing, um, which is just it's great. It's it's really fantastic, and all three of them just have amazing chemistry. Yeah. Amazing. And they're all firing on all cylinders, you know. Yes, just and, really. and, and and that's one thing that's crazy is like that, um, you know, that switch when we we reveal that Janet's also Carnage. Like her performance at the end is great, dude. It's because it's, it's so it's, different it's from like so different the, the, what she was playing this the, whole time. When the she's contrast yeah. is incredible. Yeah, and and I could just picture seeing this for the first time and never really having seen her before. Be like, yeah. oh, she's a star. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's sad that she didn't do as like she she worked consistently. She right. she passed away a few years ago. Um, but she was amazing in so many different things is the thing. Mm-hmm. And I wish she was more, I guess, well-known is the thing. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh, in terms of looking at, looking at, um, Michael Caine and Steve Martin is that she doesn't have as big of a career post this. Mm-hmm. Um, she does do a lonesome dub, which she gets nominated for an Emmy for. Um, and there's a lot more TV, I think, in terms of when, in terms of recognition. But yeah, I think I think she she's incredible in this. And all, but all three of them are. Yes, Freddie, you made it. And all because of your love. Our love, Freddie. We all love you. It's moments like this. So make being a doctor worthwhile. Oh, no wonder they call you a genius. You said that he would come here tonight, and he did. You said that he would walk, and he did. Freddie, I'm beginning to believe this man can really perform miracles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to believe it, too. All right, so onset life. 
So production for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels would start on June 6, 1988, and from all accounts, it was a fantastic production. Frank Oz said that the movie is one of his favorites because he had so much fun making it across the French Riviera for two months with amazing people, even though they actually made it during the height of tourist season. Oh, wow. Uh, in the French Riviera. He's like, yeah, it was a lot of people. Um, Oz said every morning they'd wake up and have croissants by the ocean as they looked out at the nude beaches near their place. <laughs> They would film, and also the scene where, like, when when uh, we even talk about when Steve Martin's in like the speedo, and he's like, "I have oh, the yeah. money." But he said there was two versions of that, where they they did an American version and a European version, and the American version is the version you see, and the European version is everyone's tops off and they're basically nude. He's like, "Yeah, we use the American version. Um, <laughs> we need to have it just in case." Um, and uh, he said, and speaking kind of the nude beaches, um, one of the scenes they singled out. Well, basically, they kind of talked about how they would film across all the French Riviera in various like small cities, if it was Nice or Cannes uh, and other places. But if they couldn't film, if they, if they filmed at certain places they didn't have, they were looking for, they actually just build it because it's, it's a movie. And, but one thing that I was so surprised they built was the beach when he comes down on his wheelchair and they're about to kiss. That was all built. They brought in sand and brought in oh, wow. trees and built it up to the ocean because Michael Caine says like, yeah, there's the reason why was because, we couldn't really find a secluded beach. They just made one. Mm. And they say if they found a beach that had people on it, they were mostly all nudes. So they couldn't shoot at a nude beach for this movie. So they just built this entire set out for that specific moment, which I thought was wow, yeah. insane. That's interesting. Um, Kane and Martin would work, would get along splendidly uh, with Oz saying it was a joy to work with them. Oz saying it was a joy, joy to work with Oz saying it was a joy to work with them. And uh, he said a lot of the time Kane and Martin would go along, just do long runs of ad libbing and improving. Uh, so they either rehearse for a few few times, once or twice, and then just shoot it. Or sometimes they wouldn't rehearse at all and just get right into it because they were Martin and Kane were just vibing so well. When commenting on Martin's brilliant comedic ability, Oz said that Steve always makes the opposite choice that other actors wouldn't make. Or he makes an, uh, an opposite choice of what other actors would make. That's what makes him so brilliant. Is that he's, he goes the other way, basically. Mm. An example he talks about of just him being Freddy in this character is when when Freddie's in jail and he's trying to marry Lawrence's name. That's literally just Steve Martin riffing the entire time. Lawrence Chetchet Chetison and just like it's like it's like Lawrence yes. And so basically, what it was is that it's all one shot again. Is that Frank Oz is off camera and he's crouched out out of the camera range and he would tap the actor who was who was the detective when he felt Martin had ran out of steam. And that's what he would say, like Lawrence Jemison. He's like, yes. He just you're, when you're watching, you're seeing just like Martin, like going, going, going. And he talks <laughs> about in the commentary how like he's like, yeah, think about it. like this is probably tiring for him. Oh, for sure. Where he's just like he's like firing all firing Jimmy Jack like just like just saying all these random names. And he's like grabbing the bars and like like pumping himself up. I feel like Martin lives for that, you know, that kind of moment where he can just go out. And he does. He does. It's incredible. Um. But yeah, so because the story was somewhat light, Oz realized the tone of the film needed to kind of be that way as well. And he wanted it to be more like a 1950s movie. He thought if it felt like a modern con artist movie, you'd think these characters would try to kill one another Mm. instead of having a friendly wager and gaining respect. Oz also praised the work of the production design team and the work of some attire from Michael Ballhouse, who was having a stellar year, uh, having shot Mike Mike Nichols' Working Girl, Peter Yates' The House on Carroll Street, and Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ. 
asking Damn. about the opening of the movie where we see the hands of Lawrence and one of the marks that he's she's handing the jewelry to him. He said that Ballhouse spent all day lighting the water and the surrounding areas of the Riviera, Riviera, so they could shoot the scene. They could only do three takes of it so they could actually capture the perfect twilight hour. Is what they're going oh, wow. for. Um, he also talked about how he would add depth. Ballhouse would add depth to the lighting outside the train cars. So if you watch it, you'll see that like it looks like they're speeding through like the like like the towns of France. So basically, and this is kind of your it's very simple but really ingenious trick where he would just put lights at different places outside. So smaller lights, big lights to make it look like you're actually pep going through like small towns and everything. But in reality, they're just on a stage somewhere right, as right. it was. While on set and possibly before, Steve Martin would take a crack at punching up the film script. Oz would as well, but Steve Martin specifically. Uh, Dale Lawner said one of the big changes that, that Martin made was the appearance of Rupert. Uh, uh, in Lawner's original script, it was written with a much darker tone, showing Freddy's character chained in the uh, 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 in the dark of a long hallway, and way more disheveled with like a beard and yeah, like yeah. food in the beard. <laughs> um, and Lawner said that uh, I, I basically they, they he said the 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 fiance that that Lawrence had right. was wearing a dress that showed a lot of cleavage is what it was, and so basically what was going to happen was that Rubric was going to run up and hug her and then put his face in her cleavage and then start humping her. <laughs> and Martin's like, yeah, I don't like that. And so he rewrote the scene and it was just Martin and later Hosen singing a song with Coke bottles on fa- on his fingers. <laughs> and basically Lawner said they, they, they went out um, into the garden and kind of like, in, like the garden of the house and debated like what to do with the scene, him, him and Martin and Martin saying like, humping's not funny. And Lawner said, no, 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 humping's funny. And Lawner said they were in in the garden of the main house between the shooting and the scene. And Martin said, I'm going to show you that humping's not funny. And he starts, like, humping something. And the crew apparently sees it, and they all die laughing. <laughs> and he's like, see, humping's funny. And he's just like, no, I just don't think, I don't think this would work. And Lawner's like, okay, I don't care what you do. But the big thing is you got to think that, like, he has to do something, like, disgusting and gross. Right. To get them to leave. Because, like, he goes she would actually take that guy that, that rubric and have him do the dance at dinner parties in Oklahoma with the Coke bottles and clink and yeah, clack and whatever. Yeah. You gotta make her like, Oh my God, he's coming to Oklahoma with me. And so basically he kind of told her, he's like, Hey, you basically almost have to like, he has to get up on the table and take a shit in front of her. <laughs> and that prompted Martin to write the joke of rubric asking to go to the bathroom and then not getting up and then not getting up. <laughs> that was his way of going around it. And getting that idea. But but that shows you that's kind of the creative process. It's like yeah. you bounce you bounce around some bad ideas and then you somehow yeah. you circle around to a good joke. That's you know? the key. Yeah. I I thought I heard recently like Ben Affleck talking to Matt Damon yeah. was like, "Don't judge me my bad ideas. Judge me my good ideas." Because you kind of have to get the bad ideas to yeah. get to the good ones. Um, and I always do it with people when I'm pitching stuff. I go, "Okay, bad idea. Yeah, this is the bad pitch. This is the bad pitch. But let's yeah. see if it goes somewhere." And you and always through those conversations, you come to something. You come yeah. to something, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and sometimes it's it's coming around to something you've gotten before, yeah, in a way, but it's just a new perspective on it, essentially. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so as they neared the end of the movie, as I hinted at earlier, there was still not an ending that they all could agree upon. Lawner said that the one the one of the film's earlier drafts had Lawrence realize earlier on that Janet was conning them, so he eventually would con her in the end. With her getting on the plane and realizing he didn't actually give her any money and it was just, she fooled him. 
And then she goes back to see them and kind of like, how did you, you got me or whatever? Huh? That was one idea. Loner said the final ending he had written for production, which I think he said might've been pitched by the original co-writer Stanley Shapiro. Um, Loner said the final, final ending he had written for production was Janet in disguise swimming up to a yacht or boat in the ocean, claiming to be a shipwreck victim and that her entire family died at sea. But the disguise she was in was her wearing Asian makeup and prosthetics. And she was posing, posing as an Asian woman. And when the boat arrived in the Harbor, she would, she would be told that her father and brother actually survived the shipwreck. And that's when Freddie and Lawrence walk up also in Asian disguise. And Frank guys told Loner, I'm a little worried this might be racist. And he, and they're like, no, I think we'll be fine. And he's like, I think it might be racist. And uh, Oz specifically was worried about creating a good ending because he was afraid of what happened on Little Shop of Horrors would happen here. Right. And what we talked about on Patreon is that like, essentially Oz had a terrible experience that film with its ending because they had to reshoot the entire ending because of bad test screenings. And I think what he's worried about here is like, I don't want to go and shoot this ending and do a test screening. They're like, I hate the ending of them being Asian or whatever. And he's like, we have to create something better. That's funnier and whatever. Plus you want to have like a good final joke. To, to a good final joke. Home. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's just the time we talked about this recently yeah. on um, Little Shop Thompson. Did, we, you and I talked about in Gremlins of this kind of like the way we try to like yeah. the Asian characters well, in the eighties. Yeah, it it's either yeah. as like a joke or like it's yeah. magical type thing. Right. And, and this, I, I, very smart of Oz not to do, right. to do this is the thing. Um, so Oz said several times throughout the shoot he would meet with Steve Martin and discuss possible endings for the movie. And he said they met like a half a dozen times, going to like a cafe at night and kind of like, hey, what should we do? And kind of this, would, this is what should happen. Loner said one day that he had heard Glenn Headley do this Long Island type accent. Oh, fun. no way. And he thought that would be a good ending, possibly still keeping the shipwreck idea that she's like a Long Island person who's lost and found. But it's not exactly clear who came up with what. But it seems like it was a collaboration between all peoples that Loner says he wrote some parts Oz said Oz gives a lot of credit to Steve Martin and then ideas from Michael Caine. But I think the key here with all this is that most of it spurred from the talent of Glenn Headley. Yeah. Because Loner says I was inspired by this or Oz that we're inspired because you want to showcase her more. I think at the end of the day, it was they all spurred from her being as good as she was in this role that right. made them go. We have to give her something to really hammer it home that she's great. And this is what does it. And I think it highlights her incredibly well. I agree. And with that, the film would eventually wrap in August of 1988. And they were a week ahead of schedule. And Oz said the film's crew, the film crew kept asking him, why did he have to finish a week earlier? Because it was forcing to leave the French Riviera. He goes, of all the movies, you leave this one early. And that leads us to Aftermath. And so after wrapping the film, post-production would start and happen very quickly. Orion would hold two test screenings in October of 1988. And Oz's fears are coming like, oh, God, I hate this movie, hate this ending. The first would be held in San Diego to what they called a blue-collar audience. And then I use <laughs> air quotes there is how they, how they do it. Uh, another was in San Francisco that was shown to a more upscale audience oh wow uh oz was worried about how the screens would go because of little shop but loner would report the scores they got back from the test screening were the highest orion had ever gotten in san diego it received 88 
In San Francisco, it received an 87. And basically what this means in test screening terms is that 88% of the people who watched it gave it excellent or very good, which is the top two marks you can get. That's what you want to get. That's a crowd-pleasing movie, essentially. Right. Um, what happened on Little Shop was that you, you you can't release a movie unless it gets over fifty five percent, and Little Shop got a thirteen. So that's Oof. before they, and so that's what he's so odd so terrified right. about this moment. I mean, that has to be traumatizing as a director. Oh god, that'd be it, terrible. Yeah, yeah. And you lose and you lose the studio like basically the sequence you had to reshoot. Yeah. Uh, you lost five million dollars of your budget right. that is not being shown on screen. That's yeah. a lot. Um, go to our Patreon and find out more about that movie because we go really in-depth on that film. Uh, and it's funny that these are kind of back-to-back pretty close together. Yeah, yeah. So the film would premiere in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles County Museum of Modern Art, so LACMA. Oh, no way. On December 5th, 1988. Did and they then, used to do premieres there? Wow. Yes. So. Oh, interesting. Um, and then it would premiere on December 14th, 1988 in the U.S., but it would only finish fifth the box office on its opening weekend with $3.8 million with the movie taking home the top prize that weekend which we weirdly talked about last month as well, for some strange reason. Twins, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Danny DeVito. Um, but the film, would, the film would eventually gross $42 million at the box office, with critics praising the chemistry of Martin and Kane and the discovery of Headley. The film would also have an eventual life on DVD, and it become one of the more popular con artist movies, I think of when people think of this genre, um, because of all that's involved. So with that, David... What worked about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? I mean, I think the the central cast. Mm-hmm. I think the the, the way that um, the scenes play out, and then even just like as a as a broader plot, how the plot is. Play. But it's yeah. all, but it's all based in character. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just like like I, I think sometimes probably in the same way like no our films can con movies could probably get convoluted because if people yes. keep like you know pulling pull one over on yes. one another. But this is so clean and so it like really you is. always know what everybody's doing. Well, I mean. It, it, if it's a reveal, it doesn't feel like, oh, you can totally buy, like, oh, she's yeah. been doing that the whole time. Yeah. And you're kind of like, damn, why don't I even There's notice? There's no big jump. There's yeah. no big jump. Like, right. There's no like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. There's no logic jump right. to it. It really works. And 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 honestly, with how fast the, the movie overall moves, but especially the third act, I was like, yeah. I, thinking back on it, I'm like, damn, I really kind of want to rewatch this just to like break it down structurally, like, yeah. you know. As a, as a writer myself, but it's, yeah, but it, it, I think, so I think structurally it really works, but yeah. it's just also very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, if you'd have told me that I would be praising the structures movie this much, I would I would <laughs> thought you're lying. I'm not saying it's bad, but yeah. I just I remember always liking it. But watching it now from this, I like wow, this is really hitting the right beats at the right time. Right, and I'm surprised it's not talked about because of its writing skills. Yeah, I feel like I feel like honestly, like this is like I'm kind of shocked that this isn't discussed more in like screenwriting classes. I, yeah, know? I yeah. agree. Or even in like books, screenwriting books. Yeah, you know? so in, yeah. Term, just like, in terms of sequence structure, it's yeah. like right. It's like it's just it's really crazy yeah. of, of how of it's how really efficient, it but also really effective. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, like I said, the, and the cast really kind of carries yeah. it home. And I think that it's it's the the movie's not the movie. Interesting enough, it's not flashy, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and, but it has a few moments house. where they kind of yes. give give it a little flavor. Yes, I yeah. agree. I think it's going to have some like Michael Ballhouse and and, but, Oz. and you listen to those four movies that he shot. You know, it's like pretty crazy S- like, how so different. So different. Yeah, <laughs> so different. Last Station of Christ. Uh, I think House on Carroll Street is like kind of a, um, I don't know if it's a black and a white movie. I've, it's I think it's Jeff Daniels, uh, but it's a very different film than uh this movie yeah. and Working Girl and yeah. it's and um Working Girl being and, he, and even urban. like look, look wise you know yeah House on Carroll Street huh yeah American Thriller by Peter Yates uh 
yeah, neo noir film. Yeah, that takes place in the 1950s is what it is. Wow. Um. So yeah, he he. It's just amazing how well he shoots this movie. But yeah. yeah. Um. So did anything not work about this? So film? my only issue personally mm-hmm. is um. Well, it's not even an issue. I, mm-hmm. I think it's just a, a broad statement about 80s movies. But they sometimes would lean on the montage a little too much. Mm-hmm. And yes, here it's like played for laughs at times. Yeah. But there was like there was one or two moments where it was like, okay, we could have just cut to the next scene. We didn't really need yeah. this montage to get us to the next. You know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't think it's like the issue of using mon- like again. I think there's some great montages. I think it was just like there was like two or three back to back that kind of was like oh, we don't. Yeah, really I think need. I think that I think using the one of him being trained is that was great. Is one. Do they do? I do one of like. If yeah, when they go so out the, to to events to yeah. like show that like Kane's kind of like abusing, uh, kind of like playing with him because he can't use his legs right. is what it is. Right. And I, I, and then I, there's also like the culture montage. I mean, there's like that scene where they actually discuss the things, but the culture montage is also sort of a montage. I mean, it's like shorter scenes, but you know, of 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 Kane proving how cultured he. Gotcha. He, yes, you're he right. Is. Yes, yes. And it's like those three are kind of back to back, not back yeah. to back to back, but like close, close. They're close. In, that's yeah. fair. They're yeah. close together. And Tarrant can kind of feel repetitive, but it's it's weird. It's, like it's done the way it's done is done well, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's just the placement in turn feels repetitive. Yeah, is the thing, and you wonder if like can you do it a different way? Yeah, well, I, mean, I just mean like I don't think we needed all three. You know, I think we could have just like cut to the next scene. But I, at the end of the day, that's a, that's a nitpick. Like I, don't, I yeah. mean, it's still entertaining. And I think another nitpick too is like I I do love the score, but sometimes I think maybe the score comes in a little too much in certain yeah, moments. I don't know. Fair. I mean, I love but when it's, it's played for time. laughs. Yeah, like it's played when, for laughs. Yeah, well, when it is, when when it works, you know. Yeah. Oh, I I know one. When the the one they added in late was when he stands up. Yeah. That that wasn't in the original test screening. Oh, okay. And they added that, and that became one of the bigger laughs in the show, in yeah. the movie. Um, because I'm sure that it seemed to be funny on its own, but like just the the score just like pushed it to stand. a level. I'm standing. <laughs> it's like it perfectly matches his energy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I th- I, like we said, it's really effective. And what's movie. funny when you watch that and you see his legs, you're like, you can tell he can actually walk. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's pretending. just like slowly going up. <laughs> is what it is. Uh, it's great. Um, so so film facts. Uh, I was saying earlier that that we talked about the credits before, I think beforehand or the show or whatever, because um, the, the screenplay's credit is Don Dale Lawner, uh, Stanley Shapiro, and Paul Henning. Well, Shapiro and Henning. Wrote the original movie. That's why they have the ampersand, right? That's why they have the ampersand. Gotcha. They didn't, to my knowledge, didn't really add anything. So then, why didn't they just get story by credit? You would think. I don't know why. Yeah. But it'd be different if they like outright. I I think it seems like they just kind of took the concept, right? And then I mean, maybe they took some bits or like. I think Lawner said they took a lot of the bones to it. Oh, I see. And then just added like more modern, more character stuff and modern stuff. Basically, I think kind of the beats. Whereas I know the ending was vastly because the ending I think starts with like, I think the ending. I don't think the 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 female character was like a con person. That was the oh, idea of like it being sexist. Yeah. I think it actually, funny enough, ends with like Freddie eventually having sex with Janet and marrying her, and that's the end of the movie. Oh wow! Was the original idea, uh, or the original that was the original movie that did that, and now they're like we're not doing that. Um, so I just I think they get credit because it should have been like characters based on it should be like characters based on or a story yeah. by or adapted from it but they don't they i almost wonder if they didn't want people to know that it was from a different idea beforehand oh interesting you know, I, I, in terms of the credit wise because yeah. like nowadays you'll find that easily through internet but at that point like 
oh yeah, I don't know where this is from. And they're like, oh, we, we'll give them credit as written by, but they didn't actually write this script. They wrote a previous script that we're taking from. I wonder if that had something to do mm. with it to make it like to kind of, oh, it's like, because we weren't really adapting. I, mean, I guess we were adapting books, but I guess nothing this big at this point because it wasn't, or maybe like, it's like, I wonder if there was a stigma like there is today of like making or remaking something, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. And I wonder if they were maybe thinking that like, let's not pose as a remake right. because we don't people think it's a remake. So I don't know. So we'll we'll still give them credit, but not in the same way. Yeah. And also like the WGA rules sometimes can be like uh, real yes. specific about yes. that kind of thing. So yes. Anyways. Um the first movie it was the first movie that Frank Oz directed that didn't feature any Muppets. Wow. Or puppets or puppets, not Muppets, puppets. Very different. No puppets in this movie. But still, um, you think he might have snuck one in there, you know? You think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there are three different adaptations of this movie after, again, I didn't know going to come into this, it was a remake. Uh, oh, me either. Uh, of yeah. a different film. Yeah. And so this so this would be remade again a few years ago with The Hustle, with Hustle with the, or The Hustle. Which I also didn't know was a remake of, the, of this. Because, of, yeah, of yeah. you know. again, I think it all, they also kind of hit it too there, where it's like, yeah. oh, this is a new movie. That's a remake of Dirty Run Scoundrels. Yeah. That like it was very like a it was an asterisk at the bottom, like, oh, it's a remake. That's <laughs> what kind of felt like in the in the marketing. Yeah. Um like and the is, whole, it, is it Anne Hathaway and Anne Hathaway Re- the Rebel other? Wilson. Oh, Rebel, Rebel Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Um they remade it then. There was gonna be a TV show at one point that ABC ordered in the nineties. There was like a thirteen episode order that didn't happen, but Frank Oz was possibly gonna direct a pilot for it, but oh, wow. it never occurred. I think this could be kind of fun as a TV show. It could be a fun, like as a TV if they're show. just pulling different cons, you know. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, good kind of, kind of, kind of like a, a kind of case of the week type yeah. thing in a way, and they're, yeah. they're conning someone, or even like a season long con, season long con. Next yeah. season's like a different. Who knows? They can go different locales every season. Yeah. Like you got the you got the, you got the French Riviera season. You got the. Uh, <laughs> The Italian Riviera season. Yeah, or the Italian countryside, you know. Italian countryside. Ooh, that'd be great. <laughs> I like that. Um, there would be a musical that came out in 2005 um, that was on Broadway. Yeah, because I looked up the, the soundtrack on Spotify to try to find that disco song, and then I, and, found, and, I stumbled and, into the musical. <laughs> oh, there was a musical. Yeah, and the musical, when it when it premiered, it starred John Lithgow as Lawrence. Oh. And uh, Norbert... Leo Butts, who's big Broadway star, um, as as Freddie, um, it ran for over six hundred performances, but would receive mixed reviews. Um, it got rave review. It opened in Australia in twenty thirteen and got rave reviews, saying it was the best musical to hit Sydney this century. So, um, so it's it's kind of like I guess it depends on the production. Some's been good, some's been mixed. Um, but yeah, it would be a decent hit it would be nominated for one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven tonys winning only one for norbert leo butts who plays uh freddie uh and my last film fact is the teaser trailer (laughs) uh i showed his teaser trailer before we got on um, apparently there were three full trailers that were presented to Frank Oz and Orion Pictures by a trailer house by trailer house companies who specialized in making trailers, but Oz didn't like any of them, is what I heard. But also, I think they made it they made that before all that, and the, the teaser I think became the main trailer that was released throughout the like when it came out. Essentially when they were making the movie, they didn't have enough footage to do a trailer, and you have to put in mind is that this movie finishes shooting in August of, 90, right. of 88. 
it's released first of December '88, yeah. so it's like it's a tight turnaround. So they decide to like we don't have enough footage. Let's just shoot a scene. I think Steve Martin came up with the idea of like let's shoot a scene of us walking, and it's them walking the Riviera, and it 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 doesn't fully go with the movie, but it does. Set it gives a you tone. like a vibe. Yeah, it gives you a vibe. It's like it's, these like, are scoundrels. And it also was kind of new at the idea at the point where like I think back in the four, 30s and forties they'd shoot something that wasn't in the trailer. Sure, but this was a little bit different, and people were new to this idea because people kept asking us. Where was the scene where he pushes her in the water? Because yeah. what it is, for those who haven't seen the teaser, teaser trailer, Steve Martin and, and Michael Caine are walking the Riviera, and there's this great like narration like, this holiday season, like watch two wonderful, or you're looking for two wonderful people, blah, 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 blah. And given it's like, like very like, this is not that movie. This is not that movie. <laughs> and right when he says that, Steve Martin pushes a lady into the water, and then Michael Caine pushes a little boy's cotton candy that he's eating in like up into his face. <laughs> and then it's like dirty rotten scoundrels. And you're like, I'm in. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly that would have been enough to sell me, dude. It would have been, it would have been, I think it would have been, um, but yeah, those are my film facts. So let's move on to awards. So the Beatrice straight award actor, actress, Lynn scenes that kills it. Ian McDermott. I agree. All right. <laughs> even because like, he doesn't even have that many lines, but his reactions kill me, dude. I agree. Like they just like Oz just puts him in the back of the frame, and he's just like he's like he's just like glaring at Martin yeah. doing something stupid. He, like, hates, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Welcome, Dale. Yeah, and I think even Oz says he's like, yeah, I feel bad because like I put super talented people in very limited yeah. roles. Is the thing in this movie? He's like he's way better than being just the butler. Sure. but like yeah, he he's. You can't again. I tell you a lot of times that sometimes you need Palpatine. that. Yeah, that's the thing is, yeah, they worked here before Star Wars and Palpatine. Yeah. Um, but no, I I would go Ian McDermott is 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 fantastic here. Oh, I think he just encapsulates this this award. Like, I agree. So such a limited time, but he has such a presence in that time. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, <laughs> such a good payoff, dude. I agree. I agree. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I broke your VHS play. Um. And then, okay, so Annie Potts, X Factor Award, supporting actor, actress is the most memorable. Um, so does she count? Mm-hmm. Okay, then just 100%. I don't think it's without question. Glenn Headley. Unanimous. Is, yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I don't think I will. We'll see. I would even be tempted to put her in MVP running because she's so good. Yeah. Well, for, I mean, if, if, if that performance didn't work, like the end of the movie just wouldn't work. And it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. If her performance does not work at the end of the yeah. movie with the Long Island accent, and the thing is, it does, but like it's it's funny, but it doesn't feel like it's it's believable. If that yeah, makes yeah. sense, yeah, it's not like pushed to an extreme where extreme it's like, where it's yeah. like that sounds because like I yeah. can do a shitty accent like that, <laughs> and it wouldn't be believable. Well, I mean, also like an element of that within the scene is like she has to con this these people she who are actually from people. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's it's kind of again yeah. talk about the 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 confidence of her as, right. as a con artist that she doesn't know how Freddie and are gonna Lawrence react are going to react yeah. to her. But she goes with it because yeah. it could blow up in her face. Yeah. Because she just stole their money. <laughs> and and she's knows she's catching them off guard. They'd be like, what? Who the hell are you? And she it's it's a ballsy move. And I again, that scene is just like when she's like, I, I, I made three million dollars last year. You're the best 50,000. You're the most fun I had the entire year. You're minuscule $50,000. And again, it's that other, it's that great voice drop where she's like the kind of high pitched, like sweet angelic voice. And that goes down. Let's go get them. Like, and you're <laughs> like, Oh, she's a killer. Yeah. Like, like just a cold blooded, like 
I see green, I go for it, is type thing. Uh, if they're rich, they they won't be hurt by me taking their money. Um, but yeah, I think I think she's incredible in this role. <laughs> Hi, I almost forgot somebody. Mr. Junior Partner, the man ships can't do without the whiz kid, Randy Bentwick. Unfortunately, Randy is a mute. All right, everybody, get on up to the house for a drink. You want to refresh those cocktails, don't you? The ice is melting. Hurry, hurry. Go on up. Follow the path around the house. Keep going. That's it. Keep going. I'll be right up there. <sighs> Fellas, last year I made $3 million, but your 50000 was the most fun. Are you ready? Then let's go get them. All right. And that leads us to the Gene Hackman MVP award. The person who carries the movie director, actor, etc. I mean, I think I want to go with Oz just because of um, bouncing back from, mm-hmm. from the, the struggles he had yeah. with the previous movie. You know, I think with this one though, I think it needs to be a co-win between Martin and Kane. I was going to say, I can't give it to one of them. So okay. I think it needs if to be you, both we of can them. Cut the award in half. I think because they're so evenly matched here. And it's it's actually a perfect example, too, of an actor playing their type. Does that make sense? It's like Kane's playing yeah. a specific type role that Kane would play. And Martin's playing a specific type role that Martin would play. And they excel at it. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens if you switch this role and Kane's playing Freddy and, Lauren, and, and Martin's playing Lawrence? It becomes a different movie. Yeah. I think they could do an interesting interpretation of it. Sure. But it, it's just, I don't think it's as good. I yeah. think they're playing to their strengths incredibly well. Oz knows it. Oz knows their chemistry is working so well. Um, and they're letting them go. And then also, like, that, if that relationship didn't work, then you lose the it whole movie. Work. Yeah. It doesn't work. It does not work. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, and even the, even in the scenes where they're not together, they're great. Like even in the yep. scenes where one of them is just with her, yep. or you know Michael Caine talking to all his, the people that he works with, you yep. know that kind of thing. It's all it's and they're great in every scene. You it's like I think it's like you need their chemistry to work, and then to really stick the movie, you need her ending performance yeah, to yeah, like yeah. that to land. It's like it's it's like because well, you don't you wouldn't buy that final twist if if that scene didn't work. You know the, I at agree. the end, yeah. At the, yeah. But I, I, but I also too like you. It's the scene when they're when they're saying goodbye. You have to buy it too that they have become right. friends, or there's a respect there. in the process. Yeah, yeah. And now, what it's leading to, which you never get, is that it's like we could always do a sequel if we want to. Yeah. That's what it is. And I would have loved that dude with all three of them. Like, man, it would have yeah. been great. Yeah, man, they're just yeah. Actually, I kind of have a pitch in the in the casting. Ooh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, not 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 for. Oh, I want to do the recast as well, but oh, yeah. I have an idea. Okay. But yeah, that's it. I think yeah, Mark, Steve Martin and Michael Caine, Gene Hackman MVP award winners, co MVP award winners. What do you want? This, this, I want this. Oh, this is what I want. I don't want money. I want you to teach me. I'm in your hands. You can't be serious, Larry, Lawrence. All my life, I wanted to be the best at something, and I thought I was the best. Till I met you. I mean, I never realized how far you could go with this scamming thing. You've opened my eyes. Freddie, this scamming thing, as you put it, took me years to perfect. 
I got time. Why should I help you? Guy with my mouth could ruin a lot of business around here for you. So final questions. I, I gave you a different thing because there's been a remake lately, recently, yeah. and it was it was also made in the 60s to begin with. Yeah. I was like, you know what? This is what a go-to thing. Let's just go with early 2000s. Okay. Um, who would you cast in a 2000s version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Well, this was tough. Um, so for Freddie, I was thinking Tom Hanks. Okay. I, going, it'd be going, a different energy. Going more to his comedic roles. Yeah, but it'd be a different energy. But it, I, I think part of it was us talking about the Lady Killers uh, yep. remake last night. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. I mean, I don't think he would go that far. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think he would go unrestrained Cohen's. Um, and then for Lawrence, uh, Lawrence was tough because uh, mm-hmm. I was trying to pick like uh, somebody British. Yeah. Um, but I landed on Jeffrey Rush. I know he's Australian, but I think he could bring some good energy to this. Yeah. My one is Alan Rickman. Oh hell yeah. Uh, I also thought of Ray Fiennes, but I, I like Alan Ray Rickman. Fiennes is good. I also I, like. I mean, I love Rickman. I think Rickman would be. He'd be the perfect straight man to that. Really um, good, and and he would have some good reactions in in one liners as well. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think yeah. I think he'd be like, hardly. <laughs> um, and look, he could you know bang this out in between some of the Harry Potters and it's before <laughs> Harry Potter. If it's early, it's before Harry yeah. Potter actually happens. Maybe. Like if say like two thousand two. Well, I think Harry Potter yeah. one comes out in 01. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's in between. But I mean, he, I, he, you know, he he wants that break. He wants that break. You know, he actually really good as Freddie. And maybe he's, he, I mean, granted, he's already actually would do it later. If it was Sam Rockwell. Oh shit! Hell yeah. And I feel like I, I just I, I went away with your casting, but I think what if it's like Sam Rockwell? No, but he has that energy. He has a great. Energy. It's like Sam Rockwell and Alan Rickman. Is your is your is your two people? Uh, and I had no idea what to do for Janet because okay. like that's a very hard role to to cast. It is a very hard role. Give me a second. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna see who is blowing up at that time. Mm, she's too young. Yeah, because I had I had a couple. I I thought Natalie Portman, but she would. I feel like she's still too young as well. Wouldn't she would she would have been older than the person I was thinking. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking Kira Knightley. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, you had the. Oh yeah, because she was really young in the first part. So never mind. I was yeah. Um, you know what? You know who I would go with actually. She how old she'd have been here? A little younger, Christina Ricci maybe. Oh okay, hell yeah, I see that. Yeah, especially yeah, it's like early oddies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could I could see yeah. her pulling that off as a thing. So Christina Ricci. Sam and Rockwell. I can definitely see her pulling that ending off. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Oh, I love the trio. Okay. And what you had a pitch? Well, no, no. I, 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 conceptually, I thought it might be interesting if because you know, like we, we had that whole reboot yeah. craze, like in the late oddies, twenty tens, and even till now. But like, what if they did bring the trio back, and then who would they be conning before she passed away? Obviously. Yeah. 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 yeah um. And, and then who would they be conning? Who would they be conning? Interesting. So they do like a not a direct, maybe a direct a sequel. sequel. Yeah, yeah. They do a direct sequel like yeah. a decade later. Yeah. Who would they be conning? It needs to. It probably needs to be an older right person. Um, who would be? I mean, honestly, what you could do is go with Tom Hanks. With your I would love that thing, actually. Yeah. As they're conning Tom Hanks. <laughs> And then it's also revealed he is also a he's con. also a con man <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, I think you could just, do that, or yeah. or like or Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant be fun. Hugh I Grant actually fun. really like Hugh Grant. I think uh, yeah, well, it could be several is yeah. the thing. Um, I think Hugh Grant or Tom Hanks would be yeah, fun yeah. depending That'd on where it's pick. at. Um, I like that. I like that. Okay, 
Um, and then does this film fit with any other genres? I mean, is Steve Barton comedy, is that a genre? I feel like that's a genre. Uh, I don't know if it's a genre. It's some subgenre of comedy. It's, it's a specific style a specific of comedy. style of comedy, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it only has like a few moments where he goes yeah. all out, but it has those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I would I would throw in a buddy movie in some way sure. here. Yeah. And um, you see like the blossoming of their, of their friendship. friendship and, and the, and the push and pull and the push and pull of yeah. it. Yes. I, I think, I think that would fit very well here. Uh, I mean, is a vacation movie a genre? I would, I would say this. I would say a postcard movie is yeah, maybe okay. the way to say it. Yeah. Because I think about like I think of like Elvis as an example. Like Elvis made postcard mm-hmm. movies where it's like it's Elvis in Acapulco, well, or even that like stretch of Sandler's career where he was just yeah. Going. <laughs> it's you. you I think yeah. I think there's certain about about a travel like a, a yeah. postcard movie. Yeah. It's where like I could send a postcard from this place to and people would be like, damn you for going there. <laughs> I think that were, yeah, I think yeah. you're seeing these characters here. I think yeah, post. I mean, that's I didn't think about that, but yeah, postcard movie. Um, and then finally, last question: How does this film fit with the con artist genre? Well, I think it establishes like a lot of the the tropes that you discussed at the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode. Um, and then even like plot wise, I I'm interested to see like how the definition, um, evolves over the yeah know, the, the month. But yeah, I think I think it really nails. Like all the things that you would associate with this kind of with this kind of movie, or, with, or with con artists yeah. in general, you know. Again, kind of the obstacles they have to kind of go through, yeah. Um, and and multiple parties working against each other, kind of. I thing. agree. Um, I the idea of perspective. I said how like it's really key, key to like have a like whose perspective yeah. are you are, and it's that's what's interesting. Like the whole movie, we think, oh, we're watching the con con artists, but we're actually watching. We're actually well, at one, a certain point, we're actually watching. We're actually one one being con. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing, right? Um, and that's why it's the idea of perspective is that like. When I say certain movies like Ocean's Twelve, where you think you're following one thing, but that turns yeah. around, and go, oh, actually, you're the one being con the entire time, and that's kind of the big key to this genre is who's the one being con and whose perspective are we at, and then tone. I think a big thing with a lot of these movies that I that I assume that could evolve over time, this genre is that a lot of con movies, for the most part, have a little bit lighter tone mm-hmm. um, to it all. So, because usually with a con movie, I guess you could say Ocean's Eleven excluding or excluded from this is like, it's a little bit more like tighter in terms of characters where it's like one or two people are doing cons. It's not like 20 people doing cons. It's like a heist movie. But Ocean's Eleven is the one that kind of like, it's the melding of it's a con slash heist film. Um, but this has like just two, two, three people. But also how Soderbergh balances that is pretty insane. It's insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great filmmaker, dude. I don't. Soderbergh is a great filmmaker. He's made a lot of great movies. A lot of great movies. That's just one of them. That's an inside joke for um, someone just sort of recently, and I was like, "Yeah, no." We, we just like looked at each other, like, Ugh. "We're like, no, that's not true. <laughs> it's not it." It's um, not. but yeah. So, so next episode, Thomas Horton will be back joining me. This that will be through Zoom. This has been interesting doing a full month in person. Oh yeah, I didn't even think me. about that. Yeah, <laughs> I have to get like, oh, I'm back on Zoom. Okay, I gotta develop kind of a rapport again. Um, but he'll be back, and we're talking about. Catch me if you can next month or next week, not next month. Next week, uh, I feel like that movie is the reason why we're doing this month because I was like, I want to do a, I want to catch me. If you <laughs> can. Did like a backdoor, like yeah, it's like <laughs> I want to do catch me if you can. How do I do catch? Me? How do I do catch me if yeah. you can? Con artist movies, great. We well, got also, it. but knowing how much you love that movie, I, I, I love that movie. I, yeah. I, I think Thomas does as well, right? Yeah. Does as well. Yeah. I, so I was like, I was like interesting I, conversation. I, I think I'm, I'm writing that one, but I was like, do you want to do it? You want me to do it? Yeah. I was like. Pick and choose. I don't care. <laughs> I'll I'll write it and you can you can react whatever you want to do. I'm down. 
Um, so that's next week, but also too recently, or just, just, I guess yesterday, if you're listening to this on release day, or if not, it's been recently, we re- we released our latest episode of our latest Patreon episode. David and I talked about the Fright Night series, uh, Fright Night from 85, Fright Night part two, and then Fright Night from 2011. And we kind of, that kind of concluded our monster movie month or monster movie May and kind of how kind of comparing an, uh, an original to a remake and, and how it kind of follows the genre and how sometimes monster movies can evolve with the time and how it can be time capsules. So if you are a part of our Patreon, you can join us on Patreon to get more exclusive content. There's $1, $5, and $10 tiers. They're named after our awards, by the way. You can get the Beatrice Strait tier. You can get the Annie Potts tier. You can get the Gene Hackman tier. Whatever you do, you help make the show possible. And for those that have been doing it, Thank you so much for being a part of that community. We hope we continue, it continues to grow. Um, and we love hearing from you about if you listen to our Patreon. So thank you so much. Um, but that's all we have on this, on this episode of the show. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at sendationpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. We might do a Q&A episode at some point. I don't know. Who knows? Could be a Patreon. Could be a special episode. Just do that. We'll, we'll post it at some point. Uh, just give us comments, kind words, all that stuff. And if you're a new listener of the show or a fan of the show and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to do so as soon as possible so you can stay up to date on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform. These reviews help kind of uh, help the audience gain or help our audience grow a little bit, gives us a little more traction. Uh, gains exposure. The more activity, the more engagement we have, gives the, us the juice. The more likely it gives us the juice, exactly. Um, and it'll give us the confidence to keep going with these episodes. And we need the confidence. No, um, but yeah, it, it'll help any engagement if it's sharing an Instagram post on your story, if it's retweeting a tweet, if it's commenting on a Facebook post, if it's giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. All of that helps the show, and so if you can do that, please do that. And speaking of social media, if you don't follow us, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. David, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.